Just yesterday, I had a wedding in Brussels, and when a couple presents themselves for the sacrament of marriage and they express their interest, well, they go through a process of preparation. Part of that would be to meet with me one or two, maybe three times, and to have a discussion about marriage and a few different things. One of the questions that I inevitably will ask the couple is, why get married in the church? Because, to be honest, their friends are getting married elsewhere. So why get married in the church? Why not get married on a beach or at the courthouse or in an outdoor gazebo in Las Vegas or some other destination? The couple often will tell me, some of them will say, this was the way we were raised and we simply have never considered anything else. We always just envision getting married in the church. Others might say, well, we know that it's a good thing that on the day of our wedding to stand before God and to ask his blessing upon our married life together. Still others might say, well, the church is beautiful. It has a wonderful backdrop for those pictures of when we exchange our vows. Or maybe for a few they've told me, our parents wouldn't pay for the wedding otherwise. Whatever the reason is, their desire to get married in the church should be praised and affirmed by their family, by me, by many others. Perhaps another reason that might not be as compelling as the others is that as a baptized Catholic, the law of the church, what we call canon law, binds her members to marry before a priest or a deacon and two witnesses in a physical church structure. But it's a law, and like many laws of society, this church law is one that could be ignored, like the speed limit on Red River Town Line Road. A car passed me today. Here I was driving the speed limit, maybe a few over, and they're driving 60, and it's only 45, and so disregarding the speed limit But yet, this church law sometimes is disregarded, ignored, or broke by people. In our Catholic mindset, we celebrate the sacraments, which number seven, baptism, Eucharist, confirmation, penance, anointing, holy orders, and marriage. Perhaps some of our older congregants will remember the traditional definition of a sacrament from the Baltimore Catechism an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace, so that all the sacraments have a tie, a connection to the life and ministry of Jesus. For all the sacraments, but especially for marriage, for marriage this gets a little murky where Jesus institutes the sacrament. Some say that maybe he did so when he taught about marriage and taught about divorce and remarriage and about the indissolubility of marriage. Others say that today's gospel, the wedding feast of Cana, that Jesus' presence at this celebration elevates marriage to the dignity of a sacrament. It is at this wedding feast that Jesus, at the bequest of his mother, performs the first of his public miracles. At this wedding, like many of the weddings that you and I have been to, copious amounts of alcohol have been consumed. And now this shortage of wine has become apparent to the Blessed Virgin Mary. 
Out of her compassion and concern, wanting to spare that couple embarrassment, she goes to her son Jesus and makes him aware. And after the brief exchange that they had, Jesus turns water into wine. This week, and if you can't tell, I'd like to talk about the sacrament of marriage and what the church offers in terms of uh, marriage and that sacrament. I think our reading of the gospel today, the two wines, the one that was drunk freely and then the second one, the one that Jesus turns water into wine, maybe they could be symbols of marriage. Maybe it's the first wine, the one drunk freely is ordinary marriage. That's marriage in the courthouse or on the beach or somewhere else. That it's ordinary, that of course the legal, legal requirements of marriage have been satisfied. But maybe the water that turned into wine is a symbol of the sacramental marriage, that Jesus takes something that is ordinary and he makes it extraordinary. And so this becomes the sacrament of holy matrimony. As we talk about the canonical form of marriage, of being married before a priest or a deacon, and two, at least two witnesses, but of course many of your family and friends, there might be someone here today that says, well, I was married in a Lutheran church. I was married on the beach, or I wasn't free to marry, and that's why I married elsewhere and not in the church. I think the good news of the gospel today is that Jesus wants to turn what is ordinary into something extraordinary that there are ways in which we can regularize a marriage that may have been outside the church and so allow it to become a sacramental marriage. The sacraments give grace, and so that's why we want a sacramental marriage, so that God can lavish grace and blessings upon the couple. So if a person married outside of what is called canonical form before a priest, a deacon, and two witnesses— or so you married perhaps in another Protestant church or somewhere else, the church would like to convalidate your marriage. Some people call this blessing your marriage in the church. So I'd be willing to talk with you and to look at your situation and, and to see if that's something that can be done. I would be happy to help anyone and walk with them through this process. At the end of it, there would simply be a a small celebration with your immediate family, maybe, whatever you would want, but before a priest or a deacon and two witnesses, you would exchange your vows. For the person who is sitting in the pew today, maybe who has been divorced and would like to remarry or is divorced and remarried somewhere else, well, the church offers what's called the annulment process, which is a, a way in which the church officials look at the marriage and they ask the question, was there something from the very beginning that maybe prevented the sacramental bond from ever taking place? That had something been known, maybe this marriage would not have continued. There are many misperceptions about annulments. Some believe it is long or arduous or a costly process. But the good news is, is that a few years ago, Pope Francis called for some reforms in the procedures of the annulments to make it a bit quicker and less costly. Is it long? When Pope Francis kind of changed the approach to annulments, he did so because in some countries it would take five or six years. 
In our country, in the United States, it only has taken about one year, maybe less, maybe a little more, depending on certain situations. There was one thing that the Holy Father did to maybe expedite the process just a little bit. In the previous uh, time, the annulment would first be decided by the church in Green Bay, and then it would have to be sent to Milwaukee or Madison or some other nearby diocese for a second opinion. Pope Francis did away with that process, in a sense, making it a little quicker. Is it arduous or challenging? It involves meeting with me or an annulment advocate a few times to do an interview, to do some paperwork and so forth, but it's not as difficult as some people might think. One of the things or fears that a person might have is that they might have to contact their previous uh, spouse. And so that's, that's not the case. You don't have to, but the church would do that for you. That individual has a right to share their story and maybe contest anything that they would like to, but uh, you wouldn't have to reach out. The church would do that on your behalf. Lastly, is it costly? Pope Francis would love to have annulments be free. And in fact, that's what he called for in his document. But the diocese, because they realize that there are administrative costs, the people who work on this, their staff, the paper, the mailings, and so forth, they ask for a little recuperation from that. They average that the administrative costs might go about $800 for a person seeking an annulment. And so the diocese says, we would like to maybe ask for half of that, just to make up for some of that. I think the bishop's appeal covers the other half. But no one would ever be deterred if they were unable to pay for an annulment. And so, so that shouldn't be a hindrance or a roadblock to anyone. Just last month, I went to a special training in the diocese in order to become what they call an annulment advocate so that I could walk with people who need to pursue that annulment. And so I would be happy to help anyone uh, who would like that. So you would just reach out to me and I would be sure to help you and we could begin that process and perhaps along the way experience healing in, in that situation. Our homily today maybe has only pertained to a small sector of the congregation. But yet I think it's important to address because it helps us to know maybe the background of what an annulment is or what needs to be done so that if someone asks that question or makes a statement that might not be true, well, then we can respond to it. But I think, too, the universal application of our gospel today for all people comes when Mary says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Maybe today that's what we ask. What is Jesus asking me to do in the vocation he has called me? If it's to married life, to your family, what is Jesus asking you to do? The miracles that Jesus performed long ago, he still wants to perform today and again in your life. That means for us to cooperate with the movement of God and his spirit in our hearts and to open ourselves to the grace that God wishes to give. Jesus really does want to change what is ordinary into something extraordinary. The question is, will we let him?